Hello and welcome to another episode of Charles Weekly Part T. If you're watching the YouTube portion of the video, I'm sure you can see that I'm not by myself today. We have Michael joining us. And this is our first episode with a guest host. So, before we get started, let's roll the intro. All right. So before I get uh, before I get started talking about the episode, I'd first like to introduce our guest host today, Michael. Um, what would you like to say a few words? Yeah, sure, Charles. Um, so thanks for inviting me. Uh, it's it's a big surprise. I've never been on a podcast before, so uh, definitely going to try and make myself not sound too much of an idiot. Um, I guess I'll give a little background on me. Um, computer security information assurance major with concentrations in forensics IA management. And uh, I know you definitely know the IA side of things, so uh, we'll definitely go into a little bit on that with what we're doing. Uh, million different hats that I wear currently, fellow Peace and War Center, just a lot of crazy stuff that I do, super busy, and then uh, looking to commission with the Air Force soon. So it's a little bit of background on me, and you know I'm sure I'll, I'll start elaborating on more once we deep dive into this. So. All right. So for those of you who've been listening for the past couple weeks, there's been a streak of tech episodes, as I like to call them. So basically, instead of talking about both architecture and technology, which is usually my preferred thing, I've had technology stuff to talk about just because, um, for me, my schedule's just been absolutely hectic. I've had a lot to do, think about, and whatnot. So because of all of that, I said, I, I had the tech stuff that was I, I'd been reading about in the news. I talked about that. And then as much as I'd wanted to do a real full episode, Apple announced an event. And of course they announced it on my release date, which they always do it on my release date or the day after. Never can be really convenient and do it on a Friday. I don't know why, but here we are. Um, but yeah, I had to do that with the last episode. So this time we get back and talking about architecture and technology. And next week, to make up for all of the technology I've been talking about, I'm planning an Arcisode. Although, if if tech decides to um, blow 12 fuses, there will certainly be an honorable mention. And we all know that technology has the ability to do that. But before we talk about our technology, let's talk about our architecture. So I actually reached out to Michael. I sent a couple of options over and settled on the Caliph House, assuming I'm pronouncing it right. And it was designed by Defrena Architects and is located in Colima, Mexico. Before I go any further, why'd you choose um, that one? What's, what stood out to you about it? So I'm definitely not well-versed in the architecture piece, right? Um, I can appreciate a nice building, I'll say. Um, I can kind of appreciate the, the structure and obviously like the, you know, the beauty that's trying to be betrayed in what architects are building, what they're doing. Um, I don't know, this one just seemed the most interesting to me. And this and like the greenhouse, um, uh, the, the greenhouse seemed a little more closed off, uh, definitely from the start. And uh, I, obviously I think that's part of why the architects designed it that way was to kind of, that, that closed offness was part of their design, right? It was de something deliberate. Um, I, but I, I like the openness of this design and kind of the like this the way the the second tier of the house right is built up on these pillars um uh, just really interesting to to me to kind of see that that kind of openness with this one it's it's really like out there and spacious and it, it's definitely like one of those those prime it's like it's like a movie set household uh, honestly like you you think of the the eccentric billionaire or whatever who's you know living out and has his own his own house or whatever and this is what you picture right not not a, you know maybe not a mansion right but if he's living right in the, like the, the swiss alps or something like that this is the house that you kind of envision in your head so it's kind of why i picked it all right so what ends up being interesting with the with architecture and whatnot and I know you were mentioning it seems spacious. At first, when I looked up the size, it was 855 square meters, 
which when you think 855 doesn't sound like a lot. Um, once you convert that to square feet, you have 9,203 of them. So it, it's really spacious and it's also really interesting on how the how much different it is if you look at the front of the house versus if you look at the back of the house. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So looking at the if you look at the front of the house, the facade is actually quite deceptive because you can when you look at it, you just see um, right, um, Michael just pulled up the image there. You can see it's it's really kind of uh, it looks simple like just two-story house, nothing unusual. And then when you look at it from the back, you just see it's a lot bigger than you might think it is. Mm -hmm. No, like, like you had mentioned, it, it's definitely, you know, you mentioned like the classic household, right? And how it's that, that rectangle shape. And looking at the facade, you definitely see that, right? Is that, oh, this is just some some normal household that, yeah, it's got some, some nice open areas to see. Right, you can see on the this second story there, like a lot of the openness, the windows and stuff. But like you mentioned, you you once you look at it from like the back or from any other area besides the facade, you can start to see the depth of the house, um, how much further it extends beyond, um, both lengthwise and horizontally. Is it, it? There's a lot of space to it. Um, so yeah, no, definitely, definitely. No, deceptive looking at it from the front. Yeah. And when you look at it from above, you also you also notice exactly why the shape is the way it is because the land that this is being worked on is actually quite an awkward shape. And when you have an awkward shape, you end up having to sort of make do with that by making design tweaks and organizing it around. Yeah, it kind of looks like a, a, a triangle, basically, how it comes to a point where the house sits, you know, if you've got the triangle like this, right, the house sits at this, like, little top section right here, right before it closes off. So, yeah, really, really kind of interesting way that they, they built it up. Yeah, and um, three levels in it also give a couple of sort of thoughts and uh, whatnot to it, but also... I know you mentioned earlier you weren't um, as familiar with architecture. And if you look at, there, I think this sort of view of it shows best. So if you happen to look up the architecture from the description, um, you can see one of the back portions of it has a nice cantilever to it, but there's also, you'll notice, overhangs over a lot of the windows and walls. And there are some lighter materials on certain sides. On an architecture standpoint, that's actually for, um, because it's located in Mexico, that's, that's um, mostly passive cooling techniques. So when you have overhangs and whatnot between things, you have the outdoor air, but you also have an area where the sun can't shine. So that actually, without using any air conditioning or whatnot keeps the house cooler with a uh, with lower energy usage and whatnot. So it, it makes it look different, but the, if you think about it, the whole cantilevered portion, which is up hanging above what's, I believe, either the dining room or the TV room, uh, I actually think it's sort of multi-purpose in that respect, but having that overhanging there that's providing shade to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and it makes sense too, um, especially considering like once you move outside of, right, uh, I would say mostly Western culture, uh, definitely here in the United States, uh, we're big proponents of air conditioning, right? Um, but you, you move to, let's say Europe, for example, right? Um, and just speaking on what specifically I know of Germany, um, AC is something they don't really, they, they use it, but not to the extent that we do, right? Like constantly, if it's, if it's getting warm out, right? What do we do? Oh, just crank on the AC, right? Yeah, you know, you can open the windows, right? Or, you know, if you're driving around in your car, right? Maybe you're in a, you know, you're in your nice Camaro, you're gonna roll the window down, put the arm out, right? All the classic stuff. Um, but we use AC a lot. 
Um, and you move to some of those, you know, like I for you know, like I said, for example, those European countries, um, totally different mindset on things. Um, <laughs> I just remember when I was taking uh, some German uh, a couple of years ago that my, my teacher was uh, studying abroad in Germany for uh, quite a long time, upwards of seven years. And she told us stories of all the time when they would be at restaurants and when they would have to turn on the AC because it got way too hot, they would have to apologize to people. Um, which is kind of crazy, right? Like, why would you apologize to your, you know, your restaurant goers or guests for turning on the AC? But it's just the entire entirety of the different cultures. So, um, yeah, I, I think they're right. Like I said, Western cultures are really kind of heavily dependent on technology to some degree, or and using the inventiveness that we've, right, the the technologies that we have, whereas. Some of these other countries, and as we see in this this building here, these are kind of those those older style techniques of like, okay, let's keep it natural, right? Let's use right the, these other techniques besides of just like saying, okay, here's a big AC unit, we'll just run IC. So, yep. And to further that, I know the interesting part with um, air conditioning and whatnot is if you look at um, and if some if some of you who may have studied architecture know this, but anyone who hasn't won't have the slightest clue about it. If you walk into a place, all you know, all you really think about is, are you comfortable or not? And from an architecture perspective, you have to you have to think about that because if your building occupants aren't comfortable, they're not going to want to spend as much time there, and the domino chain keeps on falling. But long story short, people aren't going to like you. So in order to make sure that a building is where it's supposed to be on things, you need to keep both the temperature and the humidity under control. Because if it's too dry, you'll notice. If it's too humid, you'll notice. In the summertime, we always notice that the air feels a lot more sticky. And when you look at the air conditioning process in um, as you've mentioned, we're highly dependent on AC, even though I can guarantee every single American who turns on their air conditioner also go or turns on it because they're getting way too warm. They're the same people who will also go look at their electric bill and complain that the thing is so high. And do you, do you know a lot about the air conditioning process? No, can't, I can't say that I do. All right. So the basics of it are in order to... Uh, and why it uses more energy is in order to remove the um, extra humidity from the air. You actually have to, if you want the air to be at 68 degrees, in order to get the humidity where you want it, you have to cool it way below that just to get the, um, to get the extra moisture out of the air. And then you actually have to reheat the air. So the reason why air conditioning uses so much more energy than... Um, heating does is heating is just you're adding extra you're making it warmer it's relatively simple process air conditioning you have to cool it over 10 degrees below where you have it set to so that that's just the little basics of it but I when I was poking through the plans on this house I couldn't pull the first floor plans I, did, I didn't see where those were, but um, I know the basement and the third floor, or second floor, depending on how you decide to call it, gave me a pretty good idea of what it is, but I don't, unless I was blind, I didn't see a mechanical room in there. Yeah, no, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't look like there is one in here. Um, just quickly scrolling through, I don't think there, yeah. There, there's probably there. one somewhere because you have to have your hot water for a uh, shower, but to be able to avoid um, having a system where you have to um, climate control, and for a house like this, you can't just go to your local hardware store and pick up a window unit because all of the windows are custom designed and you're lucky if some of them open at all. Yeah. And that, that's, that's how fine-tuned architecture is when it's, with genuine architecture, it's thought down to every little detail that you see. Nothing goes um, beyond notice. 
and talk a little bit to get the mic recalibrated and figure out what the hell I was saying. Uh, You're talking yeah. about the the fact like that it's so fine calibrated architecture. Right. Yeah, everything has a reason. So with, with architecture, everything comes down to just fine details and making sure it's fine-tuned so that everything uh, works out well. It's actually another building, which I may look at in a future episode, that has very strict climate control measures and it's all computerized as well, which is where I like one of the areas where I like looking at how architecture and technology overlap because the there are computer systems running in the building that monitor the conditions and make sure that the um, buildings kept the right temperature and having having things so that if nobody's in the room for a certain amount of time it will in winter season lower the amount of heating and in summer lower the amount of air conditioning mm -hmm. yeah you, that's when you get into a whole new well not whole new segment but that's when you start getting into the the whole IOT device realm, right? And the, mm -hmm. the, the further modernization and techno, technological um, advancement, I guess, um, right? Every aspect of our lives, and I know we're gonna get into this later, right? But every aspect, um, we're, we're putting technology into it as the forefront, um, and especially households, right, is okay, you know, let's make the smart home. So, right, when people aren't in it, we're not, we're not heating it as much, and, and we're detecting when people are in rooms so we can put the heat on or, you know, et cetera. Um, and there's a lot of, right, it, 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 it's nice and it's simple, right? It makes life easier, which is what we, we always want, right? What we're always looking for. But there's a lot of technical implications that come along with that. Um, and that's, uh, right, that, that's where we start to see, right, that, that intersection between not just technology and architecture, but now we have to start worrying about, okay, the IA side of things, right? How does security intersect with that? Um, yeah, it's getting to the point where the lines are blurring uh, between your, your different subjects. Everything's kind of coming into one, so. Yeah, it's it definitely a good point having how everything is sort of starting to come together. It's actually at a uh, dinner conversation the other night and we were talking, someone said, Gee, with all the amount, or with the copious amounts of heat that computers generate, um, maybe, could we go back to a time where they didn't exist? And, like, well, we, we really can't because as much as, as much as they are doing good and um, bad, once you come up with something that makes life a lot easier, it just goes without saying that you're going to do it. Like, technically speaking, a easier way of doing everything if you want to be energy free and less dependent you walk everywhere yeah mm -hmm. but imagine having to walk from uh imagine you want to go you're in new york city you want to visit your friend in chicago right now you can hop on a plane which if you um if you're following a lot of the um carbon footprint stuff you'll know is its own um category of a large footprint. Yeah, it's, it's a um, mess right now. But having, but walking, there's no carbon footprint on that, really. No. But it's, but would you walk from New York City to Chicago? No, right? That never yeah. would, right? Look, I mean, look back at, look back at ancient times, right? What did, what did they do? Go back 2,000 years or so, right? You, you walked everywhere that you had to go, right? If you had to go anywhere at all, um, the whole uh, civilization as a whole is radically changed, right? And that always happens when you have new technologies, right? Look at the wheel, right? And how just the simple, the simple design, right? Sort of revolutionizing, okay, now how can we transport things, right? How do we start taking stuff long distances, right? And then you have, right, the various trading routes, spice trade, et cetera. Um, yeah, you always see that with technology, right? It's kind of the Pandora's box, right? Once you open it, you can't close it. You can't put it back, right? It's forever alternate. So, yeah, it's, right, you bring up the carbon footprint. We can't necessarily go back to prior to the, from when the technology existed, right? But it's like, how do we manage it better, right? How do we, how do we move forward? So. Right. So, it, it's, it all ends up being uh, its own... 
interesting little thing to think about, but looking at something or something like this in Mexico where you have it's a lot warmer and we're not necessarily seeing the a room that has a whole bunch of HVAC equipment in it. It's possible to and using design strategies just and between design strategies and some computerization. So if you decide to go for and I know the price tag on them is high, but electric blinds you can hook that up with the with the rest of the smart building system and it can look at the do solar analysis and if it's warm enough lower the blinds cool enough um, do other pieces and I noticed in my notes I mentioned local materials and that's actually that actually ties in perfectly to where we're going so um, just a little side tangent with the materials. All of the materials for it were sourced locally. And for all of those materials, um, it's mostly wood and as wood, concrete and steel to give it more of a, um, what's the word for it? To give it more of an industrial sort of look and some contrast between the wood and whatnot. But it also has volcanic stone from the nearby volcano that's actually just within the panoramic view you can get from this house. That's so the volcano that you can see, you actually have stone from in that house. Yeah, it's a, and you can definitely see it like throughout, um, especially on that those lower tiers once you once you start looking at it from the side, um, and it really adds a nice contrast to the to the building. There's a lot of the like the the light and the dark that they're playing with here. Um, and it's beautiful. It really is. Uh, I'm kind of a sucker for <laughs> that uh, that natural stone. Um, and when you start throwing like you know that that volcanic stone that you're talking about, um, it, it's beautiful. It really is. Yep. And with the concrete piece, um, and I know we're talking about carbon footprint, and I have yet to do the full scale of research, but I've heard, some people have mentioned the carbon footprint um, on concrete is a lot higher. Although my research is saying that it's not quite as cut and dry as that. It, there are a lot of different factors that go into making concrete, which is where it ends up being, um, I guess, more of a, less of a, um, air quote, sustainable material, but one that we still use because of how useful it is. Um, but in this case, for the concrete, it's actually doing something, um, it, it's actually forming something called thermal mass. So... This sort of area also is warm as it gets during the day. It also gets cool at night. So what the concrete does and what I'm sure some of the water does with the pool that we see, that absorbs uh, solar energy during the day and at night it actually releases it. So you don't have to worry about heating at night as much because all of the heat that you got during the day then starts to make its way in at night. Yeah. So it, it's careful precision, but it... It's its own little interesting wormhole to go down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it, it works for it. It definitely does. So. Now, as much as I'd like to keep talking about this house, and um, I, know, I know we had a, a very good discussion about um, architecture and technology, so at some point there may be a bonus episode going over the uh, house in more detail, but on, I'd like to... Uh, change it up and I think I think I'm going to talk about a little bit more of the metaverse we're living in and by that of course I mean Facebook corporate has decided to change their name from Facebook to meta good good tie-in with the metaverse there <laughs> um, yeah no definitely uh, it's funny I was traveling on, on Friday and uh, you know, I, I saw something briefly. I'm like, oh, Facebook changes name. And I was like, there's no way, right? Why are they changing their name? Um, and then, right, did my background research and found out, uh, no, yeah, they're actually changing their name. And um, yeah. there's a lot of thoughts, thoughts that I have on this. Um, Charles, I'll let you give your piece and then I'll, uh, I'll, I'll kind of go down my own little rabbit hole and we'll, we'll see where we end up. So, yeah. So I, I think I'm looking at... Looking at the different pieces that I saw when I was looking this up, um, I think it's actually started to make a lot of sense because I mentioned, um, I think last week, about the fact that 
Remember, last week or the week before, Facebook had a whistleblower, and that ended up actually being a um, sort of problem. And Facebook has about nine dozen bad press pieces on it right now. So I guess the interesting part is with the corporate name change, that's the head company that's changing name, not all of the individual pieces. So Facebook.com, you'll still be going on to Facebook to keep in touch with friends on the, although I know it's more of a older generation thing, I guess. Although I do notice there are a lot of people in my age group that are also on it. Um, but with that parent name change, all of the individual sort of services are supposed to become subsidiaries, which actually sort of breaks it up a little bit. And when I say breaks it up, it, it depends on how you decide to look at it. But it's basically making it so that Facebook is its own company, Instagram is its own company, um, WhatsApp is its own company, Oculus its own company, all owned by Meta. So it's sort of breaking up the social media giant, but not breaking it up and also changing it because um, realistically looking at it, depending on how many people use Facebook or how much bad press it gets, Facebook may not be the primary revenue stream for them anymore. And if once you start branching out of social media, Facebook doesn't exactly reflect its, um, its goal in life. So I think a more recent example of that would be uh, Duncan changing their name from Dunkin' Donuts to Duncan completely. Although if you go to Dunkin.com, you get a message, this is not the website for Dunkin' Donuts. Please, here's the link for that. I, I'd imagine at some point, um, if you have a business at some point, I'd say, how much do you want to buy the domain for? Because I'm tired of people coming to my website just for the sake of doing that. But at the same time, free advertising. Mm -hmm. They land on your site and they have to look at whatever you're offering. Yeah. I think it's some construction site so if you're not if you're not in the construction in a particular area it's not going to do you much good yeah no um definitely you mentioned like the the whole subsidiary thing and that's a perfect uh that's a perfect way to look at it um right you're looking at <laughs> facebook kind of has a whole monopoly on the social media thing right and the, the way they're, they're they're doing it is is they're moving forward now in a flexible way right where if it was just right, oh, Facebook is, is the parent company, right? But what do we think of when we think Facebook? Well, we think social media and right, there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of stuff that we associate that with, right? Um, obviously, right, the whole whistleblower thing and all the recent scandals that have happened, right? But now we changed the parent company name, right, to, to Meta. And now it allows them to move forward and try and, like you said, rebrand, right? Now they're moving away from just this social media company. Right, so it's no longer just Facebook where you're posting about your day, you're telling people happy birthday, right? You're throwing photos up about whatever. Now it's it's a million different things, right? Now they can they can start diversifying into anything that they really want to, and it will now make sense to us, right? Is oh, it's not Facebook Incorporated is moving into, for example, right? Just throw out a wild idea. Facebook Incorporated is you know, making like washers and dryers, right? They're making appliances. That doesn't make sense. But if it's meta, right? If it's if it's meta as that, that parent company, oh, they're making like, you know, IoT washers and dryers, right? With social media stuff or whatever. Okay, that kind of makes sense, right? There, there's a, the flexibility key is there. Um, there was another company and I can't remember who it was that tried to, I think it was Dell. It was either Dell or Microsoft that tried to do that. They tried to move from uh, the computers into, I think it was appliances. Maybe, but maybe Samsung? It might have been Samsung. It was one of them, but they, they ran into that issue of inflexibility where everybody associated the name with, well, they make computers or they make mobile phones, whatever it was. And their, their whole product line failed that they were trying to move into because people had this idea that, no, they're not a company that makes washers and dryers. They're a phone company, they're a computer company. Um, so uh, I can see what they're doing here. And um, it, it, it's kind of wild 
And I think it reflects the fact that they are trying to move into a lot more stuff, right? Um, they're, they're trying to definitely get themselves more ingratiated into uh, common everyday life. Yeah. So, um, definitely, definitely touching on that. It's just, it's interesting to see how the name sort of defines what they're doing. So having a completely new name unlocks completely new possibilities. So if we saw a, um, I know they wanted to get more into the technology space because, um, looking at it, technology is its own thing. And if you, if you're getting in enough trouble, because right now, um, when uh, I, or Apple mandated privacy protections on the updated pieces, a lot of people started opting out, which sort of shot Facebook in the foot with um, like, oh, our, our users are fine giving us data. Once they did that, turns out that's not quite the case. And the more and more privacy-oriented people get, and don't get me wrong, they should be concerned about privacy and whatnot on social media platforms, so, although at the same time, privacy and social media in the same sentence sort of makes, makes me want to laugh. It's kind of an oxymoron, you know, in a way. Right. Yeah. So with social media, it's like if I, if I decided I wanted to go to dinner at um, the spaghetti place, I don't want to be seeing nine dozen ads for spaghetti just because I went there. I was like, okay, maybe I went, I got spaghetti. I don't want this being used for everything else. I mean, it, it is a double-edged sword because when you see ads for something that you're nowhere near interested in, it's just, why am I seeing this ad? And at the same time, we complain when they use our data to actually do it. Yeah. But my, my problem on more of the data sharing ends up being the um, idea of data exchanging. So if I give Facebook one piece of data and Amazon another piece of data and Google another piece of data, they all like sharing that same data to create a better idea of what I might be doing and looking up some of this stuff. Um, Amazon actually made a product available literally two days before I went looking for it and bought it. And I don't know if that was just a coincidence or if they were doing things of, maybe this person might be interested in this based on some of the search history, and which is why I've switched from um, using Google as my search engine of choice to uh, DuckDuckGo because DuckDuckGo gets their, own, or gets their money from places other than just using my data. Or if I do use Google, um, using it under a Google Workspace account because at that point you're either paying or you're paying for the service, so they have no incentive to really take your data because you're giving them the money that they need to run your services. Yeah. And I guess that's part of the other problem because to some degree we expect a lot of services to be free. But at the same time, it costs money to actually run and operate it. Um, I, I recently bought a really large hard drive and yeah, the cost per gigabyte is low, but the cost for the drive itself is relatively high and I go through storage like nobody's business. So in fact, each of these podcasts, I can calculate exactly how much it costs me just on data storage. And it, it may not if I say it costs like three cents a gigabyte to store, that doesn't sound like much until you take into account that um, every time I take the camera out, I get another 10 gigabytes of storage, which ends up adding up and then pretty soon I have to buy another hard drive. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's right. We, we were only stuck in that kind of that cycle of, we want things easier, right? And we want the stuff to be free, but at the same time, right? We don't want to figure out or pay for anything, right? We don't want to pay for those logistical services or, you know, whatever it is, right? We want the prime example, right? It's looking at government. Well, you know, the government should, you know, pay for whatever, right? The government should, you know, take care of people who don't have jobs or, you know, people that, um, you know, are down on their lot, can't feed themselves. So the government should fix roads, right? Which is a huge, right? The road issue just, right? From me being a Michigan resident, right? Roads are terrible. And we always complain like, well, why, why isn't our government fixed it? 
I've been to Michigan. You guys have some potholes I can I could crawl into and sit in just fine. <laughs> yeah, um, it's uh, yeah, it's like driving through a minefield sometimes. Um, it's bad, but right, we constantly complain. Government needs to fix this. Government needs to do that. And then what happens when it comes time to vote on? Okay, we're gonna raise your taxes so that we can pay for all this. What do the people do? No, right? Constantly, no, right? The government doesn't need more of my money, right? Um, and I mean, like, I totally understand it, right? Uh, because what do we see time and time again? Government mismanages everything. That's kind of how it goes, right? But yeah, we're, we're constantly stuck in that cycle of, right, we want these free services, we want life easier, but we don't want to give, we don't want to give up that whatever it is mm -hmm. to have that happen, right? Um, the I like how you brought up the, the whole ads thing, right? Um, on how you, you know, you're getting targeted ads on stuff that, you know, you're like, well, why am I really getting this? Um, the, there was an article I read, gosh, uh, a week or two ago, that was about this, uh, the, this, this tech guy um, who was visiting some family or something and never had his location set um, on where he was traveling or something to that effect, right? Where realistically, no, no corporation, organization, whatever, would know where he was, would know where the family he was with, et cetera, right? Um, and he ended up being with his mom. And he got a targeted ad um, for his mother's brand of toothpaste. And what happened was basically, uh, it was like through their phones, the I think like their phone carrier or whatever, uh, search engine he was using figured out where he was and the people that he was with and started giving targeted ads based on the people he was around, right? The stuff that they used. Um, and that just kind of highlights how insane the, right? The, these, these companies are using our data, right? Um, the, the, the metadata that's being compiled, um, right, everything that we do, right, the, the data that like makes us up to these corporations is crazy, right? Um, and yet at the same time, we willingly give it, right? Um, so yeah, really, really interesting to, to see how that's gonna keep, keep going and moving forward. So. And maybe you just stumbled across the real reason why Facebook changed their name. You mentioned metadata. What what Facebook should you choose? Oh, Meta? Yeah. M yeah. Maybe they're gonna switch from just using our data to using all of our metadata. Yeah. Maybe that's the uh, reason for the uh, change. Yeah. Don't <laughs> don't don't uh, uh, close with the tinfoil hat time. I guess. Um, <laughs> it, it's hard to it's hard to ignore the fact that right the the growing interest now is to have everything interconnected, right? And we see it perfectly illustrated with IoT devices, right? We have the smart thermometers, the smart fridges, right? Your smart watch, right? Everything's smart now. Everything has to have internet connectivity. Um, it's pervasive. It really is, right? Um, just read 1984, Brave New World, right? And uh, right, we have the we have the cameras everywhere. We have the televisions everywhere. But it's something we wanted. Right, uh, Brave New World illustrates kind of this perfectly, um, and from what I've heard, I haven't. It's one. It's a book on my reading list. Got to get into it. But um, the whole idea is that, right? We as society willingly accepted it. Not only that, not accepted it, but we kind of advocated for it. Right, this interconnectedness. Um, we want life to be easier. Right, and then, well, how do you make life easier? Well, you know, I want I want this thing. And I want it now, right? And then I want other stuff that would go along with it that would work well, right? And how do you how do you get that? Well, you know, Amazon's got that two day shipping, so you get the item you want, right? But then there's the oh, customers bought this as well, right? You know, and then or you know, you're getting a targeted ad a day later after you get the you know whatever whatever it is that you ordered, you're getting a targeted ad on a related product, right? Something related to it. Um, yeah, Facebook's in the information dealing business, right? Every company is nowadays. Um, it's just to a whole new degree at this point. Uh, corporations are getting in on it and uh, it's a gambit, right? Uh, information is currency. 
always has been, always will be. And now we're just seeing it on an entirely new scale. So yeah, I definitely think Facebook's that, that was the primary reason is they're, they're trying to get into our lives a little bit more, get more data and then move forward. So, but yeah, well, tinfoil hat moment over on that one. So. We'll have to see. And um, just one thing that I'm going to finish on that sort of popped into my head was um, I know Apple's been one company that people think, oh, they, they're more privacy oriented. I made an observation that they don't sell people's data but they seem to be okay with buying some of that data because I noticed in, um, ironically, my podcasts application that the recommendations list that it gave me was actually closely associated with my YouTube viewing history of recent, which is what which sort of cued me off on because I hadn't listened to technology podcasts on that device. And then I see a whole bunch of technology recommendations. I said, the only thing that aligns with is my YouTube watching history. It's a subtle difference, Which, right? That they're not selling your data, but they will buy it and use it, right? It's all about those subtle differences, right? And people aren't looking for it, uh, like you said, right? It was that you had to kind of piece those, those, those connections together, so yeah. Anyway, um, instead... We've been uh, muddling around the uh, metaverse for long enough. I think it's time we uh, cool off and take a swim in Alder Lake. So, Intel unveiled its 12th generation processors this past week, um, codenamed Alder Lake. I guess Intel just likes swimming around, and ironically, for all of their lake names, their processors need a lake worth of water to cool off. So I guess that's where the naming scheme went. But they've, they're, I'm hoping to see that Intel actually switched gears because their last generation was more power hungry, ran hotter, and no performance benefit, or in some cases, worse performance, which just doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the new processors will be using the Intel 7 process, which they changed the way they're doing their processes. So I think this is actually a 10 nanometer process, which isn't really 10 nanometers. It's a, it's a whole wormhole to go with, or just to say the least. But basically, that, that's the process that they're naming it under. And the Alder Lake processors, you can get up to... There are, I think, 50 different chips, and you can get up to 16 cores or 24 threads. So one of the big things I noted out is that it includes performance cores and efficiency cores, which is actually a page out of Apple's book. Did you? I'm sure you've heard about the new M1 Pro and M1 uh, Max processors. Yeah, a little bit. Um, it, it's been popping popping up around the kind of the feeds that I check around for technology that's coming out. Um, definitely something that I haven't really looked into too deeply, but I've, I've heard definitely like that come up as of recent. So. Someone I know actually has a uh, one of the new MacBook Pros on order, so I might at some point, uh, I can't necessarily do it fairly or whatnot, but besides using the internal storage drive, but I may be able to do a um, competition at some point, depending on person's willingness, to have a, or to render this podcast on two computers and just see how long it takes on, mm -hmm. or between the whatever M1 chip and what I have because I'm, I'm genuinely curious to know how that ends up comparing because I've I've seen some of the videos of things it's been able to do and it, it's astonishing mm -hmm. and Intel I know has wanted to catch up they're, they're still sore because Apple dropped them mm -hmm. the old 16 inch MacBook had up to the Intel i9 there some people compl were complaining because that computer basically turning it on fans kicked on and they bought one of the new M1, not the M1 Pro or Max, just the basic M1 chip mm -hmm. in a MacBook Pro. And they said, I like the extra screen real estate on that, but I like the fact that the M1 is running quieter and is more efficient and um, more seems more powerful mm -hmm. than the Intel one. 
which is saying something because someone someone bucked up the four thousand dollars it cost to get this machine. They're saying, you know what? I don't want to use that. I want to use the thirteen hundred dollar one that I just bought. Yeah. No, and I'll probably date myself with kind of talking about this. Uh, I I remember when Intel was right right go back Intel was talking about the the KB Lake and Coffee Lake right, and that was kind of the whole. Uh, I, I guess I'll say controversy. I really don't know a better better way to put it. But back when they, right, they were still vying with AMD and Intel was still kind of, at least in the little group that I have, um, uh, Intel was kind of like the still like, okay, Intel's still kind of top dog, right? You know, you're paying a little more, but you're getting, uh, you know, you're getting that better performance, right? And then KB, I think it was KB Lake came out and um, <laughs> yeah, Intel dropped the ball on that one, right? You had marginal if any at all performance benefit over that that previous series right and then what happened um amd came out with ryzen and absolutely changed the game and then like you said apple with the md1s right um yeah yeah intel got caught flat-footed and they they really need to pull out some stops with all their like like you said you know it's got to be has to be better than the previous generation we can't right we can't keep going with uh you know, the, the kick up fans right on startup, right? Because it's, it's unacceptable, right? Nobody's going to mm -hmm. be shelling out that extra money for the, you know, the, the Intel processor, right? Because, yeah, like you said, if I can spend the 1300 for a MacBook, right, and get that MD1, right? Why would I spend the money for an Intel chip? So. Yep. And I, I think, or, uh, uh, what do you got? Intel got a new CEO. They actually brought in an engineer, which was something that a lot of people were calling for, bring in someone who knows what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And they did that. So right now, the sort of goal strategy is to try and... Intel wants to sort of make Apple sorry for switching off of them. But at the same time, I think Intel needed to have made these decisions a lot earlier, although they did give AMD the chance to catch up. I'll give that because I, I remember when I, there was a few years back when I bought a uh, laptop, and this is many generations of Intel chips ago, mm -hmm. we were looking up differences, and at that point, Intel was stronger than AMD. Yeah. When I was building a desktop computer, it was the other way around. I didn't even want to think about an Intel chip because there's for the price it was just no contest. All, all the benchmarks said AMD's better for the uh, value. So all of the uh, every single one of the podcasts, well, most of the podcasts, there were actually a couple I um, had to do on the go, so they were done on the or on an Intel chip. But I could say right now the AMD crunched it a lot faster, and I have I do happen to have an i seven. So just running on that, it was interesting to see how the AMD was just 12 times more powerful and in, AMD was really running into struggles. So have, have to see where it goes. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Intel is going to try and catch up after right, AMD just kind of came back, right? And they're in the game now. Um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens. It'll be even more interesting if... Uh, AMD in a few weeks says, oh, by the way, we have something that's going to top Alder Lake. Yeah. But that, that friendly, that sort of competition actually ends up working out better for everyone else because then Intel's striving to be the processor that people choose and AMD wants to be the processor that people choose. So having all that happening, albeit during a chip shortage so nobody can get any of the silicon at any reasonable price, mm -hmm. all comes down to being relatively interesting to work out mm -hmm. so it's interesting to see how all the we we complain about all the little nitty-gritties on the pro and knowing oh this side or the next thing a lot of people don't worry about the process of that's inside but they can't they know how to complain about it quite well mm -hmm. but it's like oh why, why worry about it well once you do the research you find out all the benchmarks so what i'm waiting on to see is is these chips will be available um, sometime next week. Seeing how the new Intel chips stack up versus the most recent AMD chips and versus the um, M1 Pro and the M1 Max chips. And I, I will be following um, other, uh, other content creators who actually do a lot of this stuff because one of them 
believe it or not, spent $25,000 getting a whole lot of MacBook configurations. Jeez. Just because they aren't on they weren't on Apple's review list. Mm. So in order to differentiate, they went, okay, we'll get all the different configurations. Mm -hmm. And of course, that's something I can't afford. So I'm going to keep an eye on the benchmarks and then basically make the long and short of it of, if you're doing this, this, or this, this chip's best. If you're doing this, this, or this, this chip's best. Mm -hmm. And I also know with, or Alter Lake is supposedly optimized for Windows 11. And that, that's direct from Intel. Yeah. So, and AMD, as long as they got their patches in right, it when Windows 11 came out, it actually hampered a lot of Ryzen chips. And then the patch that Microsoft made, made it worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, hopefully, it, I know AMD is probably scrambling to get that done before the older like benchmarks start happening because once those actually happen, you're going to have to start, um, everything needs to be working by then. Otherwise, if the performance is hampered, the benchmarks aren't gonna turn out in their favor at all. Yeah, they're not gonna reflect like accurate how the chip's actually running. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, it's funny, the, the few people that I know around campus um, that are running Windows 11 though aren't, aren't really happy with it. Um, and I mean, I, I guess you see that right with every, with every new generation of the Windows OS, right? The, the new one comes out and everybody's like, mm, kind of like the, the older one. Um, you kind of see that every other generation, right? You had it with, um, right, moving from Windows 7 to 8.1. Um, well, 8 was a disaster, which is why 8.1 came, came into out, existence. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I meant, I meant 8. Um, but yeah, you, it's interesting, you kind of see that around every other generation with the Windows system. So we'll, definitely it'll be interesting to see um, how those AMD chips are affected once uh, all that kind of gets ironed out, so. I think officially 8 was actually Microsoft's worst version of Windows ever because that was the fastest one that got discontinued. Yeah, Microsoft yeah. literally released 8.1, said, update your computers, and they discontinued it. Maybe, I'm, I'm sure I'm not factual on it, but they... I think it was discontinued in just a couple of years after it was released, which yeah. was no, it was really incredible. Fast. Yeah, it was really fast. Eight was not around for a long time at all uh, before they, they kicked it to the curb. So, yeah. Oh, well. But, yeah. I've, I've also had issues on Microsoft's website recently trying to create a media tool for Windows 11. So I'd like to mess with it on a virtual machine so I don't act... Because right now I have one computer that has the actual hardware requirements to be able to um, run Windows 11. So I know I'm looking at the calendar right now in exactly four years, I'm going to need to have a lot of computer equipment switchovers because my, my equipment is already, I have one thing that's top of the line which is what's holding me over for most of everything. Mm -hmm. Everything else is just, I'm looking at the calendar and it's every day that goes by, it's closer to, I need to get ready for the, not only direct implications of having to upgrade and switch over hardware usage, but the financial implications I'm not looking forward to either. Yeah. But at the same, and at the same time though, with, with the chip competition now happening, a lot of people were knocking Mac for a lot of reasons, and there's still some things I'm not entirely thrilled about with the um, new ones, like the fact that you have to get whatever system configuration you want when you buy it, because if you if you get a MacBook today, if you, you need to, if you want the extra memory, you need to buck that up now, because otherwise you're not getting it. Yeah, no, and... It... Right, and I've always been a Windows guy, but all the all of the the cyber professionals that I know and that I've talked to, mentors over the years, right, they they all have had Windows machines, and what they're running now, they're all running Macs. Um, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, one of my old mentors said, uh, "He's like, well, what do you do with a Mac? And you eat it." Um, <laughs> and then he's he's using a Mac, right? Um, and what you see versus like a traditional Windows system is that. Right, the Mac is just a powerhouse. 
and it stays a powerhouse for longer, right? And um, the like somebody I know was using theirs for upwards of eight years, and it was mm -hmm. still right like it was at day one, just chugging along and just yeah, just crazy, right? You don't see that with those machine, right? You hit four years, five years, and it's struggling, right? And those, but those max stay vital for longer. Um, so it, yeah, it's gonna be. It, I, I hate to see Apple always so hardlined with, you know, oh, you have to, you have to do it our way, right? And the mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, it, it's our way or the highway with the customization or anything. But um, yeah, they do have some solid systems, and they stay, they stay relevant for a while. So you get, you got to give it to them for that. Yeah. Um, anyway, looking at the clock, um, I generally, as a rule of thumb, I, I know the hour-long episodes get really interesting really quickly. So as I, th I think we've got all of our stuff with um, the altar like talked about. And anyone who might be interested in getting it, you should know that your the pre-orders are currently being accepted and the chips themselves will be available beginning November 4th, although how that works with the chip shortage, I'm not sure about. That's not until we figure out the house. <laughs> yep. But I'd like to max out the uh, podcast today by talking about, uh, quickly, Adobe Max. Mm -hmm. So this past week, Adobe had their um, creative conference uh, virtually again, which made it nice and meant I was able to... Uh, attend free and whatnot, which is absolutely great. And many, uh, there are many new features across Adobe's entire lineup of creative applications. And I don't know if you're aware or not, but um, what I do with this podcast goes through. All right, All right we're on number, cut number five, right? <laughs> Sorry, we're almost uh, done. Hopefully we'll get through this one and then we'll be over. Yep. My, my video folder always gets more interesting when I do this sort of thing. Um, where is it? Okay, so I don't know if you're aware of this, but all of the podcasts that I do get edited in um, at least three Adobe applications each time. So the video piece that you see gets, um, well, without going into specifics, it, it's it's three applications. I don't need to waste time telling you what I use. Yeah. Um, the biggest things that caught my attention, Photoshop and Illustrator coming to web browsers. I mean, it, it's pared down and whatnot, as most web applications are, but to think that you can do Photoshop on a web browser. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> it's kind of wild uh, to say the least. I I still remember messing around with Photoshop a little bit in high school in a tech class, right? Or albeit, you know, it's it's a high school tech class, right? What are we what are we really doing with Photoshop? The, nothing, right? We're just kind of messing around, but uh, to see that it's going to be available on, on the web browser now is uh that's that's kind of wild uh, opening up that availability to people so we'll, we'll see how that works yeah and um the capabilities will be extremely limited if you don't have a creative cloud account um but if you do have it you'll be able to make light edits and there's a button to open it directly in photoshop so the Photoshop is available now as a public beta. Illustrator will be coming as a private beta. Um, also on the list of things that they added, I'm sure you've heard about the NFT craze, which is a non-fungible token. Um, but Photoshop will be adding in the ability for secure credential support so that it can tag your the photos and work that you create as yours so that nobody else can just take your file and take it, they'll be able to discover quickly that it is not their NFT to be selling. Mm -hmm. And that'll make that a lot easier for creators. Yeah, I think that's a big win for content creators too. Um, you're right, you see it all the time, constant issues with, um, right? I, I, I'm trying to remember, um, like there's a lot of art websites where you see that where people will upload something, right? And then, like 10 minutes later, you look that up and guess what? It's on a shirt, right? Um, some some AI that somebody's taught or whatever, right? Goes and it's like, oh, this photo has a lot of, right? Has a lot of upvotes or, you know, whatever, right? It's it's well liked within this little subsect, either on Reddit, uh, Imager, et cetera, right? Takes it, throws it on a shirt, you're selling it for 20 bucks, right? Um, now, right, this is giving something where artists can throw their credentials on it. 
um, and possibly, hopefully fight that, which is a, a big win for them, right? Because I can't even imagine, right? You, you work so hard on this on this this design or whatever it is, and all of a sudden somebody's like, oh yeah, this is mine, I'm selling it for money, right? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I can only draw stick figures, so nobody's gonna be stealing my art, <laughs> but I can imagine that's kind of uh, infuriating for content creators. So big win for them, hopefully, uh, with Adobe coming out with that. Yeah, and more on the topic of Adobe, if you, you've seen the, uh, well, of course you've seen the uh, podcast logo that I have. That was 100% designed in Adobe software, which is actually quite entertaining. Because there, I did the hand drawing in one, and then I made it, actu made it actually look nice in another one. And then the animation that you see, if you're watching the YouTube video, is in yet another piece of Adobe software. So I guess that this whole this whole podcast use is beyond reliant on Adobe, which mm -hmm. is incredible to think about. <coughs> Hashtag Adobe sponsors. Um, um <laughs> uh, full, full disclosure, Adobe has not sponsored this episode. Um I I'm just I I'm not necessarily a big fan of the amount of money that their services cost, but at the same time they're useful and they're powerful. Every, everything Adobe also plays really nice with one another. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of a lot of people like doing the Premiere Pro versus um, uh, what is it Final Cut Pro comparison, mm -hmm. and each of them has their advantages. But f um, for me, what keeps me with Premiere Pro is it, it it's interoperable with other Adobe software. No issues. If I update one thing, it fixes everywhere. And it, that's, that's just one of the things I have to love about yeah, it. Yeah, it meshes really well with all the other softwares, and you really can't beat that. Yeah. And last but not least, the they also added updates to neural filters, which basically allow you maybe you don't maybe you want to change the way the sky looks in a photo without changing the way someone else wants to. I messed with this yesterday and it was incredible. I, I told it, hey, can you identify this? Because I had too much backlighting on a photo that I took. It was able to, using the computer intelligence, figure out exactly where the people were better than I could do with my mouse, which is saying something. And then it was able to let me tweak everything so that I made it look not like it had been Photoshopped because you, you can tell when a picture looks like someone Photoshopped it or did a lot of messing around when the lighting conditions don't balance. But messing around with it just right to get to change around the lighting on different things to make it look natural mm -hmm. yeah. and to think that um i i post i procrastinated doing something for weeks and that actually came out to to be very beneficial because i was able to use that extra tool to be able to make that photo look instead of eh to wow and I think that's a very important little yeah. thing. Yeah, those new those new technologies with the utilization of like the that that AI generated stuff is really really taken off. Um, so yeah, glad to see Adobe's using it because it's making our lives easier. So, mm -hmm. and, and admiration for Adobe stuff. Knock on wood, because most of the time when they have their application updates, my computer did all of the updates automatically. For the amount that Adobe charges for their software, at least they make good stuff. Mm -hmm. Because opening it up, I don't find, I tend not to find many bugs, when it, which is unusual. The recent uh, MacBook Pros, they added a notch into the display and they said, yeah, it'll work fine. And the software isn't playing as nicely with it as it needs to be. Yeah. So they have, so even, even Apple has their their significant bugs that they make. Mm -hmm. uh, same with same with Microsoft, and then just Adobe just goes in there. Yeah, here's your new software. There you, there are bug updates I see come through, but whatever bugs are are usually pretty use case specific. You have to really stumble upon them. Just general use, you're not going to say, why does this seem like it's not running quite right? Mm, yeah, no. With Adobe, it is very much the case of you get what you pay for, and it's it's honestly a quality product. It really is. Mm -hmm. I better be getting what I pay, pay for. <laughs> yeah, crazy. The uh, pr the price tag in using all of the Adobe apps, that subscription, if you don't have any other type of discount going for you, or you're not in your first year, is fifty three dollars a month. Yeah, with it's... they do have some annual discounts available, but it, it's 
it's an exorbitant amount of money, but at the same time, if you're using the software, it it's worth it. It, yeah. make, it just makes life so much easier. But anyway, that's going to do I think I've used all my creative energy today. I do hope you've enjoyed this episode. So I'm sure you don't know what a partee is, but a partee is basically a highly simplified um, version of a building. So when you're in architecture, one of the first things you create is a partee, and it's usually simple with just a few lines and shapes or just a couple of lines. So my partee for the week is just looking at looking at all of the technological upgrades and making the best of what I've got. We're not going backwards, so make make uh, full advantage of what you have in front of you and just keep going on that way. Yeah. Your closing thoughts and your party for the week? Yeah. <laughs> um, being succinct is definitely not one of my strong suits. Uh, I'll definitely try it here though. But like we mentioned, right? Pandora's box is opened with all the technology that we have, uh, all the moving forward with the pervasiveness of right the big data and the the technological increase in everything that we do um but you're right right moving forward how do we leverage it as best we can while maintaining some semblance of i guess i'll call it ourselves right um how do we how do we maintain the current state of of kind of our lives while also leveraging these technologies moving forward all right so if you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes, especially not if I have any other guests that I decided to bring on or it was a pleasure having you. I might even have you back. Sounds good. Um, Thank you so much, Charles. So you can go to anchor.fm slash charlesweeklypartee where you're able to listen to any previous episodes of the podcast as well as interacting by leaving a voice message. Also, please feel free to support the podcast. It helps out a lot. Um, if you happen to be listening on Apple podcasts, please be sure to leave a review and like today's episode, I don't, I don't know, say it's a really good episode to watch on YouTube. I have yet to see if I've managed to stay in the video frame the entire time, <laughs> but aside from that, it, it'll be interesting. And of course I mentioned this at the end of the episode, but this has been sort of an experiment. I've not had a guest on before, so we're going to have to see how well the audio quality came out. So if you've made it all the way through this and the audio quality was terrible, kudos to you and thank you. I'm, I'm sure the interesting discussions have made it worthwhile um, questioning whether or not the audio quality was the best. But that, that's what I get for the microphone state that I'm in right now. And um, do you want to say, do the honors? Oh, say roll, roll in the outro? Oh, all right, I guess I get it. Um, thanks for watching, guys. Great to be a guest here. Thank you, Charles. And uh, with that, we'll roll the outro. Thank you.